This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 237. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. Well, this week on the show is a very special book of the week. Hazel Alvarado, who works with me on the show, was lucky enough to attend the book launch party for Jim Meehan's Meehan Bartender Manual a few weeks back. Jim was our guest way back on show number 89. You know, we opened the bar we wanted to drink in, a place that we... Uh, felt comfortable entertaining our friends and, and sort of, you know, a place that embodies all of our values. So I, I think that, you know, there are obviously sacrifices in, in everything and, and compromises you need to make in business. But sure. I think that there are a number, there are so many of them in the bar business that you, if you're going to get into this business, you better do it because you love it and, and do something that you believe in. So I think that thankfully we've been able to make money doing what we believe in and, and sort of enjoy doing. Of course, he's talking about his great bar, PDT, there, and that's where we're sitting at the moment while we were recording. But uh, back to the book event, Hazel had a chance to talk to Jim and explain how she helps me out on the podcast. She went on to tell him that she had the idea to do a dual review of Jim's new book from her perspective as a cocktail enthusiast and from my perspective as a professional bartender. We'll let Hazel go first. Hello, Bartender Journey fans. This week's episode features a dual cocktail book of the week review of Meehan's Bartender Manual. This idea came from an author's table event at the New York Distilling Company featuring Jim speaking about what he calls his magnum opus. An audience member asked Jim if the book was meant for only professional bartenders or if it was accessible to cocktail enthusiasts. Upon hearing that, light bulb popped on in my head. Challenge accepted. So this will be the cocktail enthusiast review of the book. First of all, I'll tell you what this book is not. It is not for the cocktail faint-hearted. If you're just looking for a book to sit on your coffee table, oversized with pretty pictures, dozen or so recipes, no interest in cocktail origins or culture, page and basic bar tools, do not buy this book. Doing so would be a great discredit to not only the authors, but everyone featured in the book and its content. However, that being said, if you are only going to buy one cocktail book and nothing else, then this is definitely the book that needs to sit on your shelf. And it is what it says on the cover, a manual. I say that both as a geeky cocktail enthusiast and someone that once worked in book publishing. It is a manual. It has a textbook-like feel. It's heavy. I feel like I need to put in a book bag when I'm carrying this thing around. There's a clever engraving of a wind vane, which I think speaks to the fact that this book will give you enough knowledge to help you figure out what way the cocktail culture wind is blowing and the guidance to get you there, whether you're simply upping your knowledge or you want up the game of your cocktail parties at home. Now, for a 450, almost 500-page book, it has a surprisingly small amount of chapters, but don't let that fool you. It kicks off, accordingly, with the history chapter, a well-laid-out chapter of the world's drinking history, the rise of the cocktail that makes you think of not only when how and where drinks were made, but why. Covers milestones such as the birth of mixology and as repeal day was yesterday, the infamous bartender diaspora during Prohibition, as well as what's referred to as the Dark Ages and now the resurgence of the cocktail culture. The bar design and tools and techniques chapters are focused more towards those in the profession, featuring case studies, uh, floor plans, consideration for location aside from foot traffic, such as neighborhood culture, and the ideas and reasoning for the efficiency for specific tools and techniques. So this might be a bit much for the casual home bartender. However, Mian's thoughtful enough to throw in sections for home bartending consideration. And if you're like me, social host living in a cramped New York City apartment, bar design that is both aesthetically pleasing and functional in addition to the type of tools and techniques that you have that will allow you to provide 
service and hospitality to your guests is a big deal. The distillery tour is a great chapter that is definitely unique to a cocktail book. It not only gives an overview to how a distillery operates, but it's also not a snooze fest and it also gives you tips on how to approach one if you've never been. Uh, so I really liked that chapter in there. For the next chapter, which is the spirits and cocktails, that is definitely the meat of this knowledge sandwich for the cocktail enthusiasts. Each recipe features a beauty shot, the origin, the logic behind the drink, and hacks in addition to each recipe. It's laid out by spirit, and between each of the recipes, there is a brief knowledge base that includes different spirits, everything from gin and Geneva to uh, whiskeys, and yes, there is even a small section on vodka. Again, the cocktail menu chapter is heavily detailed on whether you are a bar manager, bar restaurant owner, and it's interesting because it talks about having the menu as a business plan from identifying your goals, costs, and applicability to the identity of your bar or restaurant. But in the age of personal branding, the information in this chapter can be used to create consistent theme at your own events. Now, the last two chapters are interesting from a, from a mindset. They have service versus hospitality, which for many people may be the same thing. But I like that there's a distinction here. And um, this might seem a stretch, but I, I do really think that even beyond just creating drinks and having your home bar, anyone in different industries can and should really read these chapters and think about how this might apply in what your own industry might be. Overall, I think this is a great manual, not only for bartenders and cocktail enthusiasts, also it's someone, someone that does event planning. Uh, I do find this uh, really useful and, and really great. Um, anyone that's tangentially involved in the hospitality industry, whether personally or professionally, chefs, event planners, so a whole load of people I think would find this really, really useful. So uh, well done, Mr. Meehan. Definitely go buy this book. Um, I highly recommend this book. Buy it for yourself. Buy it for friends. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed this review, and I hope you enjoy Brian's review. And um, if you visit the blog site, you can uh, click on the link and purchase it from Amazon. Till next time, Bartender Journey fans. Thanks, Hazel. Here's my thoughts on Meehan's Bartender Manual. Meehan's Bartender Manual by Jim Meehan is true to its name, a manual. It details how to lay out a bar from start to finish. The section called The Physical Bar is extremely specific, starting with the location for your establishment, considering everything from population density to income levels and more. The theme of the bar, or even do you really want a theme? And then moving on to building the interior, the book gives detailed measurements on the on the ideal distance from the back of the bar to the from the back edge of the bar to the front of the back bar, uh, from where the ice bins should be, where the cooler should be, the POS, where all the stuff should be placed. The book gives specific case studies and detailed technical drawings of famous bars such as Nomad and Dead Rabbit, which is really cool to see the uh, detailed uh, 
uh, drawings, uh, like technical drawings of these different places. There are pages about the sequence of building one round of 11 particularly complex cocktails. I've been thinking about that section uh, constantly at work, trying to maximize my workflow. There's information about icing, stirring, shaking, tasting, and more. There's also more than 100 great cocktail recipes. Honestly, this is a must-have book. There are so many important details on designing a bar, the steps of service, plus spirit and cocktail knowledge. This book is chock full of learning. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Of course, we'll have an Amazon link up on bartenderjourney.net. Hey, let's hear a little bit more from my talk with Jimmy Han at PDT a couple years ago. I think in New York, you know, if you tell a New Yorker what to do, they're going to do the opposite. So in some ways... (laughs) Um, the name Please Don't Tell sort of plays into our master plan anyhow. <laughs> right. How do you think a bar can be successful in a small market that, to, that wants to do high-end things? There's tons of successful yeah. cocktail bars in, a high, yeah. in you know, smaller markets. Yeah. Um, I think that in general, it all boils down, you know, once again, if you want to open a bar to make money, you know, that there's that's almost to me like a... A challenging question, you know. I think you gotta you gotta open a bar. Like for instance, if you love beer, if you love wine, mm-hmm. or if you love sports, or if you love just kind of talking to people, like I think right. you should open sort of bar that makes sense for you. Right. And then I think financial considerations. It's not that they run secondary, but I don't think you like sit down and you think to yourself, "I'm going to make cocktails. How am I going to make make a dime off this? Or how am I going to make how many?" I, I don't think that the the two kind of go together, and, mm-hmm. I, and I don't think that making money and smaller markets like they don't necessarily um they're not mutually exclusive of each other right i think that people want to you know customers want to drink well and they want to feel like there's a value proposition behind everything they order in a bar right so as an operator and as a bartender you know and as a customer as well like i want to spend my money where i know that i'm getting value and i think there's no value to me in sour mix no (laughs) you know personally right right and and i think that you know not to like be all high and mighty there are a lot of bars that people go to to get drunk in and Mm. and that you know the culinary aspect of the cocktail or the epicurean interest in it is totally secondary and those bars don't need to serve the sort of cocktails we serve at pdt right you know um i've I've never, thankfully, I've never had really worked in one of those bars, but it's a really kind of sad environment to be in. Yeah, yeah. Well, even even high in places like this, do you think, you know, I mean, you obviously have to make some concessions to cost. Do you, do you see that uh, as a trend in the future, sort of? Uh, What's very interesting about New York is that uh, our pricing structure has a lot more to do, and this speaks to smaller markets, but it has a lot more to do with what the sort of general, the mean cost of a cocktail is in Manhattan. I mean, most bars in Manhattan, you'll find a cocktail ranges between 11 12 and $16, no mm-hmm. matter whether they're pouring it with secretly with sour mix or not. <laughs> right. So a lot of our cost of doing business has to do with our rent and the, yeah. the cost of opening a, you know, and operating a bar right. in um, um, Manhattan. Sure. So, you know, that's what we're thinking of mm-hmm. as far as our costing structure. And for us, you know, I price all of our cocktails at $15, so mm-hmm. you know some drinks have a, a higher pour cost than others, but, sure. but for the most part, the drinks that, that are most popular have lower pour costs and help you know stabilize the drinks that have higher pour costs. Mm-hmm. So there's like a math behind it, just yeah, like sure. everything, but sure. yeah, and once do, again. <laughs> do you mind if I ask what your sort of average pour cost is that you're um, shooting for? I mean, I think in general, our cocktails are $15, so mm-hmm. I want our cocktails to 
cost anywhere between three fifty and four fifty. And mm-hmm. and and I think that some, you know, one of the things I always tell a lot of uh, bartenders who are especially new to this is that. You know, they go into their their P&L meeting with the chef and the owner and they sort of look at their costs. And most businesses look at the percentage of the cost, not necessarily the net. And cocktails, you know, high-end cocktails are a lot more like fine dining. You run a higher pour cost, just like you'd run a higher food cost. But the margin you make is much higher in in the sense that instead of making 3 or $4 a drink, you make $10 a drink. Mm -hmm. So, But your overhead's higher. Well, right. (laughs) Right. But, But I think at the end of the day, like you're... Do you want to? It's just a different way of running a business. It's yeah. more fine dining than you know running a bistro. Right, that makes sense. Well, you, you touched on something very briefly in your book about the uh, the lights and the music, uh, and I, I think that's something that doesn't get talked about enough in, in a lot of cocktail books. And you know, I mean, you 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 outlined you know where where you place the cool the coolers and you know yeah. where, the, where the fruit trays go and everything. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, I appreciated that you brought that up, but could you elaborate a little more on that? The lights, the music, and the yeah, temperature of the room? I mean, I think the lights, the music, and temperature for me are very um, much... One quick second. Yep, take your time. I think that when an operator walks into their restaurant or their bar, the first thing they do is adjust the lights, the music, or the temperature. And I think there are three things which are sort of like the pulse or the heartbeat of a bar or a restaurant. Yeah. You know, in... I think that in the environment, one of the things I, I've learned about PDT is that, you know, in the beginning when I was young and more wet behind the ears, like I, I was so concerned about whether people would drink cocktails. This was in 2007, mm-hmm. being uh-huh. on St. Mark's Place. Like I fully expected to be, you know, we opened with three different flavored vodkas and <laughs> fully plan on making Cosmos all night long. Right. <laughs> and it, thankfully, it, you know, it didn't go that way. You know, people, we barely sell any vodka at all here, or we didn't for a long time and now we have it on the menu. but. You worry so much about cocktails themselves when you're young and you get older and you realize that the environment you create is what determines whether people order cocktails or not. And and I think that people go to a bar to fit in. And part of how you set up your bar either helps them fit in and helps them understand what sort of concept they're in or Mm -hmm. has no sort of identity or no sort of marking posts. So people kind of just go ahead and order whatever they know that they probably could get without feeling awkward in, in the bar. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, going back to lighting, temperature and music, you know, all those little um, details like those kind of to me help subconsciously even persuade people to embrace what we're trying to do here as opposed to question it or or worse, um, combat it. Yeah. Well, uh, can you offer any advice to inexperienced or beginner bartenders? Yeah, I mean, I think mixology is something that you can... I feel like mixology is is like a study. You know, it's a something that you can sort of, I wouldn't say master quickly, but there are, there's a lot of resources out there now that kind of help you get up to speed with it and become, you know, conversant or, or you can be... I feel like you can become a mixologist in your spare time. Mm-hmm. Bartending is something that is you have to you got to do it, you know? So a lot of young bartenders will tell me that they're in one place and they will kind of want to be at this next place or they're sort of looking for a mentor. They're sort of looking for the next best thing, which is great. And it's part of who we are. Mm -hmm. But I also think that part of growing and part of growth is hunkering down and really understanding that you're, the way you grow is you make the place that you're in better and you make the people that you're working with better. And you, you kind of use those, opportunities where you where you maybe are thinking to yourself man I wish I was working down the street or I wish I could be working with someone else and you're like 
or I can try to make this place that I'm in that, that is a few steps away from being great much better. And maybe these guys who I'm working with, if they knew what I knew, I could sort of, we could sort of be a better team. And, and I think that those are the things that I would suggest sort of people who are just kind of coming up in is like, seek out mentors, but, but also don't be afraid to become one yourself. I mean, I think mm -hmm. I've learned more through the process of teaching than I ever did under the wing of some of the most brilliant people that I've worked with. And to teach that. something, you have to know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to go back a little bit, the, of course, the bartender has a financial incentive to make the place he's working at the best it can be, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> and I think that when you do that, you're incentivized for it, you right. know, both in tips and usually in, in management perks. So I think that, you know, sometimes switching pools, you know, is, is counterintuitive to maybe what's best for your career. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I liked what you said in your uh, in the section of your book called the PDT experience. We are either respectful of the guest's privacy or eager to engage those who are keen to carry on a conversation. And I think yeah, that's I mean, a great. I've great worked statement. with um, I've worked with some bartender. I've worked with one bartender in particular who's gone on to become an incredibly successful restaurateur. Um, and I feel like when there are certain bartenders, when you're in, when they're when you're being served by them, they sort of only have one service style. Mm. And I think that for me, it's important to gauge, you know, someone's maybe having a date or a business meeting, or they're having a bad day, or they're you know in need of, may, or maybe you can just see they're so interested in what you're doing, right. and you know whether you engage or you don't engage, to me is always based on the situation, is not based on my ego or, or the sort of like the experience that I'm, you know, insist that you have if you visit me, you know what I mean? So wow. I feel like I'm very adaptable to uh, each and every guest and experience and, and have very little, I don't have an agenda when I'm tending <laughs> bar. Right. <laughs> uh, well, if you could just uh, give us one, a couple of traits you look for when hiring a bartender. One of the things I always say to people is that I sort of you know, when I'm interviewing them is that I can't really train you. I didn't, I can't, I can't, I didn't raise you and, I, and I'm not going to raise you behind the bar. So in general, I look for those like little characteristics that show something that mom or dad did for you. You know what I mean? Something like politeness. Like I, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll never forget interviewing a former bartender of mine who I was in time hiring as a bar back and he came so applying for the bar back position. He came in a shirt and tie and coat. <laughs> and I feel like when someone dresses up for the interview and they show up on time, it's like they're taking me seriously. They're taking the opportunity seriously. That means something to me. Mm. Um, I take a resume, a well, a well-written, organized, uh, designed resume, resume seriously. I take um, hiring someone is a lot like dating uh, <laughs> in the sense that there are you know a lot of times people ask like you know when do you hire or like how many people do you hire and hiring is not really something that you do unless you need to fill a position. So right. timing is such a huge part of hiring and really such a huge part of all you know someone's performance throughout the course of their time with you. So things like when can you start or oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what's your what's your availability or what's your flexibility and and I find that the people that that come to me in an interview who can start right away and who can sort of devote the amount of time I need to train them and who are you know, diligent about getting about, you know, that training, like to me, that's huge. And, and as far as on the trails, you know, there's some people on a trail who like the trainer has to almost follow them around because they're not, they're not remaining, you know, they're not allowing the trainer to train them. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's very important to me when someone is training that they are 
um, humble enough to, to really just sort of follow someone around very closely and just sort of do as they say. Right. Yep. So it's, I, I find, I found after many years of hiring that I can be deceived. I've, I've not, every, every hire I've made is not perfect and someone right. can deceive me in, in a 45 minute interview and, and over three days of, um, in over three days of training or four days of training. So I, I think that ultimately you got to go back to those traits that like, you know, were how you were raised. Mm. You know, I can train people how to do the job the way that I want the job done, but I can't train people to do what their parents hopefully train them to do. Right. Matter be of- good people and be upright and be have integrity and, and be kind and thoughtful and those things. Those are things that you either came with it or, or, or you don't. Right. That's great. Thank you so much for talking. No, I really appreciate, it. appreciate it. Thanks for doing Did all this research. Yeah, I'd be happy to. <laughs> There's so many cool, interesting, and smart people in our business. Jim Meehan is a true gentleman of our industry and always willing to talk to anybody and uh, share what he knows with, with everyone. So uh, big thanks to Jim uh, for, for that interview and everything he does. Hey, Bar Smarts Advance is coming to Los Angeles. It's Tuesday, February 27th, 2018. This is a one-day in-person event and highly recommended. You'll need to take the online component first, which they now call Bar Starts. At Bar Smarts, you'll start with a light breakfast and move on to a tasting and then in a practical exam where you make three drinks for one of the one of those fabulous teachers, Dale DeGroff, David Wondridge, Andy Seymour, Paul Packle, Steve Olson, and Doug Frost. You'll find all that info at barsmarts.com. You should really look into that. You'll find all that info at barsmarts.com. If you're looking for an extremely detailed online cocktail course, check out the Mixology certification course from our friends at A Bar Above and the Mixology Talk podcast. Chris Tunstall has put together a course you can take in your own time. And as I said, it's very in-depth. There are videos and quizzes and you'll get a certification at the end. We'll have a link on bartenderjourney.net. You can also go directly to abarabove.com and click on Mixology certification. Either way, use the coupon code Bartender Journey with no space for a 20% discount. All right, that's enough for today. You may hear my voice. It sounds a little crazy today. I could barely talk at all earlier this week after a busy weekend at the bar and a battle with some kind of sinus issue. Uh, Oh, wait, we didn't do a cocktail of the week. What I've been drinking this week is my version of the hot toddy, boiling water, a green tea bag, a healthy squeeze of lemon, a big tablespoon of honey, and maybe some Kentucky straight bourbon in there. Just a thing for a sore throat. All right, here's our toast. Our house is always at your service. Cheers, we'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Of course, I am delighted by the final repeal of the 18th Amendment.